It's the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP and the ESPN-UP mobile app. Tanner Hoops with you on the Thursday afternoon. And glad that you're with us. As the weather starts to get a little more nasty, we have the pride of CBS Marquette, Jake Durant in studio with us. I don't think it's going to get a whole lot better outside, I'm sorry to say. That does mean basketball's here, winter sports, everything is going to get going into full swing. NMU starts basketball this weekend. I'm sure you're going to be busy. It's going to be a busy time for you, I, anybody in the sports media industry. Yeah, you know, I'm from the UP, and I always hope that, you know, the winter doesn't come early or it, it holds off. And I had to drive out to Nagani this morning, and it's honestly winter in mm-hmm. Nagani pretty much. I mean, there's snow on the roads. Um, you got to be careful where you're driving. But it's it's so crazy how the climate changes. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the one thing we can look forward to is sitting inside in the warmth mm-hmm. and watching sports. So um, a lot a lot going on, and, and yeah, it's going to be an exciting time and looking forward to getting into the holidays and, and things like that. So It's starting to feel like Christmas out, but, again, I like going one holiday at a time. So We've got Thanksgiving first. Did you hear what Pringles is doing, that they're coming out with a special new kind of chip just for the holidays, seasonal Pringles, that's like stuffing, mashed potatoes, and pumpkin pie? Wait. Is that, is that even good? Those are three different flavors or one? Yes, yes. I was going to say, how do you mix all three of those together? And they're only available online for fourteen ninety something in a three-pack. You see, I see what they're doing there. Yeah. I mean, I'm interested. I'm curious. I kind of want to try the stuffing one. You see, the I pumpkin mean, it, pie sounds nasty. Though. The pumpkin, the, I don't, I don't understand that one. No. But yeah, the stuffing, uh, you could put. Just, there's some good seasoning on stuffing. You know, mm-hmm. you can throw that on a chip. I like what they're doing. There's gonna be a lot of curious people out there. And, and man, I mean, if I guess if you're, you know, if you need a Thanksgiving dinner, a cheap Thanksgiving dinner, there you go. Thanksgiving is what only about two weeks from now. How weird it's, is that? It's That's crazy. Right up. It's crazy. As soon as yeah, I almost forgot about Thanksgiving to be honest with you, because like you said, all of a sudden people are starting mm-hmm. to talk about Christmas and things like that. Get the Christmas tree up, but you gotta you gotta let Thanksgiving happen. A lot of good football. Don't, don't forget about that. I was up at Walmart last night over here in Marquette, and I could not believe all the Christmas stuff I saw up there. They even have the countdown sign, 47 days, now 46 until Christmas. But like you said, Thanksgiving means football, it means food. Why would people overlook that? That's, that's good stuff. And football is only going to continue to heat up and get better. You have week 10 of the NFL season kicking off tonight. College football is really, really getting good right now. I love this time of the year. And I love this particular season. Not only is Notre Dame and Michigan both still in it, so you and I are a little more invested than normal. Are we going to have to do a bet? Is it going to have to be a, a side bet to. here? I think we might have to because this is about to, get, to. It's about to get wild. Well, because uh, they're both in the top four as it is right now. You look at Alabama and Clemson, and obviously they're in the top two spots. So let's speculate a little bit as to what the college football playoff field might look like here in about three or four weeks when everything's said and done. You look at those top four teams, Alabama, Clemson, Notre Dame, and Michigan. Which of them is most likely to lose a game the rest of the way and fall out of the top four? As much as it hurts me to say it, it, it's got to be Michigan sitting there at four. I don't expect them to overlook their their matchup this weekend. Uh, If they do lose, I'm going to be very, very disappointed. Um, They they play a a team called... uh, I think it's called Rutgers. Mm-hmm. Um, not really sure. They where have this, football. They have football barely, but mm-hmm. they have football. Um, so it's going to be a good chance for hopefully some players to get some some playing time. You know, get the backups in because I I do think it's going to be a blowout. And I just need you know I'm hoping that the team just comes out healthy and still confident. You know, run their sets. You know, run their plays. Um, you know, get in, get out, and don't overlook the you know Rutgers. It's a it's a D one program. You know, they have football players that mm-hmm. are going to come to play. You know, with their season, you know, probably not going the way they want. This could be the big win for them. So, um, you gotta you gotta respect all your opponents. But then you got that Ohio State game, and that game goes. You know, let's be honest. Michigan hasn't been very good against Ohio State in the past recent years. So, um, they very well could lose that game. It'd be heartbreaking. But um, if they don't come and play the top. You know their best game. Ohio State have a, has athletes. I don't care how they're playing um, right now or what kind of turmoil is going on. At the end of the day, they got guys coming in there that know how to play, and on any given night, they can put together a perfect game and it beat anybody. So um, it's going to be a huge game. That one's going to be big. I agree with you. I think that Michigan would be the most likely of any of the four teams to lose, just because Ohio State is on that schedule. Notre Dame shouldn't lose. But I'm still nervous that they're going to. They're going to be without Ian Book this weekend. That's that's going to hurt. Brandon Wimbush started three games. He did lead them to the win against Michigan. He put up 24 points on that good defense. So, you know, he's capable, at least, of being a good quarterback. He, he's been a starter for 
a good amount of time in his career. So he'll give the Irish a chance. But you look at Syracuse next week, and they might be the toughest game that's left on the schedule. And then they got to go to USC over Thanksgiving-ish weekend, sometime around there. And USC's not having a good year, but they would love nothing more than to be spoilers for the Fighting Irish. So in that sense, I think Notre Dame's the next most vulnerable. After that, I actually think Alabama has the uh, most likely chance to lose just because they are going to play tougher opponents than Clemson will. They still have to go through Georgia in the SEC championship game. Clemson should not lose to anybody the rest of the way. I think Alabama's the best team by far in college football this year. That doesn't mean you're going to win the championship because all it takes is one game to derail a season for you. That's the beauty and the mayhem of college football. But Alabama is just an unfathomable team this year. They don't look like they have a weakness. Tua Tungavailoa was a backup for how long? And suddenly he looks like the greatest quarterback Nick Saban's ever had. This might be the best Alabama team Saban has ever had. They just look complete and without flaw. And that's so scary to think of what they've built over the last few years, how good this team is compared to them. Yeah, you know, and I was hearing this could could very well be the best team to ever be assembled mm-hmm. um, in all of college football history. So, I mean, that's saying something when you think about it. But, I mean... Nick Saban just has has it going at Alabama, and it's it's crazy to think all of these draft picks that come out each and every year, you know, you're always like, okay, Alabama's probably going to be down a little bit. You know, they had like 10 first-round draft picks, you know, eight second-round draft picks, and then like five third-round draft Like their whole defense is gone. They're, they're, gonna be, they're not going to be good. But, I mean, when you have a culture, a winning culture like you do at Alabama and you want, you know, pl- and players are, are coming out of high school, you know, wanting to be a part of just, you know, that greatness – um, and and part of that that history and that lineage, um, it's hard to break that. You know, players are coming out and they get that Alabama letter and they're like, "This is it." You know, I, I'm the I want to be the best and I want to play with the best and I want to compete with the best. And that's just the culture that they have there. And and with Nick Saban there, it's it's always an opportunity to win a national championship. And as a player, um, you know, my mentality would be like, "I want the best chance to go play for a national championship and I want to play the best competition." So, I mean, he has things rolling. Um, I I do like you know Clemson. They've had their battles over the year with Clemson, but I, I don't know, man. There's something shaky about that team that I'm just not. I'm not 100 percent confident in what they got on Clemson. Clemson, I, I'm with you. I'm you not know? sold on them. No. I think they're a product uh, largely in part of the ACC schedule. I mean, are they a good team? Yeah, yeah, they definitely are. And, you know, they probably deserve to be in the college football playoff as it is. But the ACC is a terrible football conference. As good as it is for basketball, not good for football. And if Clemson loses any game down the stretch, to me, that's it for them. They're out because they should not lose to anybody here down the stretch. Right. And then it would, what, Alabama, Notre Dame, Michigan, mm-hmm. and Georgia. And slipping Georgia. In so it, uh, to me, it's either one or the other, depending who wins in the SEC championship between Alabama and Georgia. I don't know that both of them can get in. Georgia for sure won't if they lose. Alabama, maybe, depending on how the committee's feeling, how that game goes, maybe. Uh, they would put in two SEC teams. But Oklahoma's right after them. And it makes me wonder what they have to do to get in the college football playoff. Because once you get to the point where you're an undefeated team, no matter... you know, People look at Clemson like you and I talked about. We have our doubts about them. Some people have their doubts about Notre Dame because they don't blow teams out. To me, when you are a Power 5 team or a Notre Dame school, something like that, that you go undefeated with a Power 5 schedule, then you should get in. And it shouldn't matter how much you're beating opponents by because you're taking care of business. Once you get that first loss, style points really matter. Then you really need to prove that you have a strong enough resume because you haven't taken care of business and controlled your own destiny like you should. So it makes me wonder, if something were to happen where Michigan and Oklahoma, a pair of one-loss teams, are fighting for the last spot in the college football playoff, how dependent Michigan's success or their playoff hopes are on how Notre Dame does. Because Michigan's one loss right now is to an undefeated team that's in the top four. And that might be what sets them apart from Oklahoma. But if Notre Dame falls from grace... Then what's Michigan's argument? Does the committee maybe look at bumping Oklahoma ahead of Michigan? I, that's that's what I want to know right. is how dependent is Michigan's success on Notre Dame's success? Right. Yeah, I mean, it is. And I remember, you know, in the beginning of the season when Michigan did lose uh, to Notre Dame, I was like, okay, now I just hope Notre Dame has a really good season 
Um, obviously, it's a one, it's a, it's a loss, but it was the first game of the year. You know what I mean? Um, we had a, you know, Michigan had a brand new quarterback coming in. Um, they didn't really. It wasn't like like you said, Notre Dame doesn't blow out teams, so it wasn't like a huge uh, point differential. But you know, it wasn't a great a great outing for for the Wolverines. But um, I mean, I think it 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 does. I mean, I want to see Notre Dame do well. I want Notre Dame to be there because yeah, like you said, after you get that, you know, the record if you have a zero losses on your record that looks really good. You can't look past that. Um, but it's when you start getting the you know a loss and then you have a handful of teams that's when you start getting you know comparing wins comparing losses and stuff like that so I mean it's it's very important um, do I think I think Michigan's in obviously if they win out I think they stay in I don't think there's a, a way they they would drop out besides losing so I don't think I would see Oklahoma jumping over them even if Notre Dame was to lose I guess let's say the top four teams right now all take care of business and they win out this season. So they're all 13-0 or 12-0, depending if they have a conference championship or not. Does the college football playoff picture as it is right now stay the same? That the four teams, as long as they take care of business, do they all four deserve to be in? I, I think they do. I, I think if they take care of business, you can't knock somebody out um, if they don't lose. I think once you're in, you deserve to be in until, like I said, you lose or, you know, I guess look terrible. I don't I don't know. And, mm-hmm. and you know, get embarrassed. Um, I think those would be the four teams. I like the matchups. I, I think no, I think Notre Dame would have a really good shot against Clemson. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think Michigan's defense will would give Alabama headaches. Do I think Michigan has a good shot to beat them? I wouldn't put my money on it, but um, you know, if I had to choose it, you know, if if I had to have a defense to go against what they, pr- you know, provide on offense with all the athletes, I think Michigan has the speed on the defense to kind of hang with them. Somebody needs to slow down Alabama because right now it looks like it is inevitable that they are going to put up at least four scores a game on you. They are just complete in every facet, and they're doing so without maybe the superstar names that they've carried in the past. Really, outside of Tua Tungavailoa, can anyone name a superstar on Alabama? Barely anyone can pronounce his name and can name him, first of all, but they don't have the Mark Ingram Uh, presence they had a few years ago they don't have the Amari Cooper uh, those guys who were standouts and superstars at Alabama they're getting it done maybe with less talented guys than they've had the past but they ultimately gel and they form a perfect well-oiled machine yeah I mean that's that's the thing with this team you know they don't rely on on certain players I think they have just a good balance and then they know what they're doing and Tua um, is a good decision maker doesn't turn the ball over uh, too much and you know what's interesting about him is he can run the ball he you know he can turn into a running back he's, he's just a dual threat guy and he's accurate I mean he has all the tools and he's good under pressure obviously you saw when he came in in the national championship game and, and won the game for them so um, yeah the only thing I think about you know and, and I'm a Michigan fan I'm like, I'm not trying to hide it um, I've never hidden that from anybody but um, you know Michigan's defense what I like about them is they, they have some depth on the defensive line um, that they would have to get to two, obviously, um, and really rush them. I think they have speed at linebacker with Bush and, and things like that. Um, I mean, guys that are, like, really fast, you know, guys you don't see very often, sideline to mm-hmm. sideline. So I think they could keep up with them. It would all come down to the, what the secondary does, and, and that's where I like, like you said, they don't have the, the Amari Coopers or the, the Calvin Ridleys right now, um, and they would have to go against that Michigan secondary. So, I mean, that Michigan secondary, they play man defense, I think they have some of the top corners in, in the college football, and Don Brown is, would have to scheme something up to try to confuse Tua. And I think if Michigan's defense played a really good game, they could they could give them problems. They could give them problems. CBS's uh, Marquette Jake Durant in studio with us today. Coming up, we are going to play a hybrid version of college fantasy football, ultimate college fantasy, coming up next on the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP and the ESPN-UP app. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Welcome back to The Sports Pen on ESPN-UP and the ESPN-UP mobile app. Don't forget, pigskin paydays back. Pick the winner of each week's game to win. Play all season long for the $100,000 grand prize. Only at Ojibwe Casino, Barriga, and Marquette. Danner Hoops joined by Jake Durant of CBS Marquette. Glad that you're with us on this Thursday afternoon. So basically, if you missed the first segment of the show, the premise is that Alabama is an unstoppable, well-oiled machine. 
there is not a team in college football this year who is talented enough to beat them. Alabama's probably going to have to beat themselves if they're going to do it. So what Jake and I decided to do this week is assemble a team that is talented enough to beat the Alabama Crimson Tide in 2018. We are playing a hybrid version of college fantasy football in studio today. The rules are you can take any player at any position from around the college football landscape this season, except those with the Alabama Crimson Tide. Basically, we're doing a college football all-star team, excluding anybody associated with Alabama. We're doing all the fantasy football positions, including the head coach. And we are putting together a team that we feel could beat this year's version of the Alabama Crimson Tide. Jake, let's go through our teams and what we've got selected. I'll let you go ahead and do the honors. Who you've got to start out with? Do you, do you want to do the whole team, or should we do, like, quarterback, quarterback? Let's go by position, yeah. Okay, who's, okay. who's your quarterback? So my quarterback, so, you know, there's a lot of decent quarterbacks. It's not a, a strong quarterback group in college football this mm-hmm. year. Um, we got guys like Herbert and things in Oregon. Um, but I, I think when you face a team like Alabama, you need an X factor, a guy that could beat you in multiple ways, and a guy that has a little bit of swagger, and, you know, a guy that, you know, will come out and has an opportunity to, to do something special. He mm-hmm. has that type of talent. And for me, I had to go quarterback Kyler Murray from Oklahoma. Good one. Uh, you know, a guy that's already a millionaire playing baseball or whatever, but um, just a guy that, you know, he seems to, with even with all the pressure that coming into this year, He's been able to hold, you know, live up to that pressure. He's really fast. I don't know if you've seen this guy play or anyone out there has seen this guy play, but when he he turns on the Jets, I mean, he can he can run and he could arguably be one of the fastest players on the field, even facing Alabama. Um, and and he's pretty accurate. I mean, he's 154 for 219, over 2,000 yards, 31 touchdowns, five picks. It's a pretty good ratio. Doesn't turn the ball over that much. So, um, you know, and like I said, he brings confidence to your team. He has that swagger. And he's someone you can be confident with. And um, when things break down, if that defense starts to be aggressive, he can make things happen. So I think Kyler Murray for me. He was a guy that I was debating about whether I should put him in. And there's a lot to like about him. Certainly he's lived up to filling Baker Mayfield's shoes, which is hard to do. But he's done a great job with it so far this year. However, I decided to go with Will Greer from West Virginia. I saw what he did against Texas last week. It's a prime example of how he's a pro-style quarterback that can lead uh, an offense down the field in a crucial spot in the game, come up with a big play when you need it. Sounds a little like what Aaron Rodgers is able to do. He's not as mobile as Kyler Murray is, but Will Greer right now is playing probably at about as high of a level as any quarterback in college football that does not play for Alabama. He might be the guy who's going to finish as the runner-up to Tua in the Heisman voting next month, but to me, he's the guy that I would put as quarterback of my team if I'm trying to take down Alabama. Uh, For running backs, we can do a running back and a fullback, two speed backs, whatever combination you have. Who are the two guys that you decide to go with? Um, So my first guy, uh, and it's not because I'm a huge fan of the team. I just think he's a really good running back. I'm going to go Karan Higdon Hmm. from from Michigan. Uh, This is just a guy that, you know, just gets it done. Um, You know, he's able to hit the holes you know he's he's a strong runner um he's he's just been consistent he has a bunch of 100 yard games he knows how to get uh into the end zone and you know he's just been really really strong you know michigan's offensive line it's not great but it he's been able to make them look pretty you know pretty good um and things like that so i'm gonna go i'm gonna go karan higdon um from from michigan i'll let you go All right, well, for me, this was a little bit tougher because there doesn't seem to be one dominant speed back who can get to the outside like we've seen in past years in college football this year. So I went with a little bit more of a heavy set package. Before the season started, I would have been all in on Bryce Love. I had high expectations for him this season and obviously just hasn't panned out. So my running back number one would be Travis Etienne of Clemson. That might be the best running back in college football this year. He's a big enough guy where he could play as a fullback. He can lay down a block if he needs to, and he's just a hard-nosed rusher. If you get him up at the goal line, he's going to find the end zone. What are you looking at for um, RB number two? You know, it, it's... I like the guy, the kid out of Washington. Mm. Um, his name's Gaskin. Yep. Um, 
I don't think he's having a, as good of a year as he did like in the past few years, mm-hmm. but I do like him. Um, I mean, there's a handful of guys. He's pretty. I mean, he's fast. Um, he's having a pretty decent year. Um, I'm, I'm gonna have to, I guess, just Gaskin from Washington. Um, just a, just a solid guy, and, and just a guy that you know he could, he just gets it done. I'm going with Jonathan Taylor from Wisconsin as my other one. I know he's kind of the big physical back, too, not necessarily the speed merchant that breaks it to the outside. We don't have that Saquon Barkley-type running back that stands out in college football this year. Taylor, you can throw it to him from out of the backfield. He'll be a physical guy, and I I just don't want to pair him up necessarily with Etienne, but I think they are two of the best running backs in football, and those are the two I would choose to go with. Although, honorable mention, it might sound crazy, but I really, really contemplated L.J. Scott from Michigan State. I was State. thinking that, too. I was thinking about him a lot because there's so much you can do with him. You can split him out wide and throw to him. You can use him on special teams. It was hard for me to pick against him. Yeah, I was thinking uh, Scott as well. I mean, there's there's definitely a handful of guys um, that, that are pretty good. You know, J.K. Dobbins from Ohio State. I was thinking <laughs> about him, but it's really hard for me to pick anybody from Ohio State. Uh, I mean, there, yeah, there's just, I mean, there's a lot of good, decent cam makers. Florida State's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Swift from Georgia's pretty good. So, a lot of guys that could definitely carry the rock. I guess it would be, who do you have on your offensive line? Luckily, we're not doing that today. But um, yeah, there's, I mean, there's a handful of guys. How about the two wideouts that uh, we've got to work with? I'll, I'll uh, give you one of them. I put Hakeem Butler from Iowa State, and that might surprise a lot of people. But that dude's a cheat code when you put him on Big Twelve defensive backs. I don't know. Uh, what he looked like against Alabama, but he's having a great season, especially as the Cyclones really start to find their quarterback. Uh, Brock Purdy, a true freshman, comes in, and he's looked really good since taking over midway through the season, and Akeem Butler has been his favorite target. He's filling the roles that Alan Lazard uh, had for Matt Campbell down there in Ames. So for me, Akeem Butler is going to get one of the spots. I'm going to have to go out west to uh, Arizona State, hmm. Nikhil Harry. Um, this guy's just been a beast pretty much his whole career there. Uh, as a Sun Devil, I mean, he's their playmaker, uh, can hit the big plays, he's fast, he's physical, uh, he has 828 yards right now, 10 touchdowns, he knows how to get into the end zone, uh, he's a playmaker, uh, you, anytime you play a team like Alabama, who, you know, has a really strong defense and, and really good corners that like to press, you need somebody who can who can make plays, get off the line, and, and outrun you, I think Nikhil Harry is uh, a, a good example of that, and he, I mean, he's projected a first round pick, so I mean, he's one of the best receivers in college football in my eyes. The other wideout that I'm going to go with might surprise a lot of people, and that's Andy Isabella from UMass. He's a guy that not many people are talking about, but probably should be. Now, I know he plays at UMass, and they aren't going to play the top-tier teams, exactly. (laughs) But he has put up good numbers this season. He's tied for second in all of college football and receiving touchdowns with 11, and he leads college football in receiving yards with 1,394. That's more than 200 ahead of second place so for me he's a guy that is not getting the recognition he probably should be but he can be dangerous so this was another like hard decision for me but i'm, I'm gonna go aj brown Ole miss i mean mm-hmm. he's just a, a, another guy that you know can catch anything his catch radius is amazing he has seven tds this year almost a thousand yards um just been a, a very good player down there i was honorable mention donovan people's jones from oh michigan. yeah i didn't want to you know as i was doing the list i kept picking michigan people I'm like what, what am i doing donovan people jones i mean he's he's a freak athlete can run can catch the long ball you know he's he's faster than he looks on the field um because he just makes it look so smooth he's a returner uh you know he's a guy that gets a lot of yards after catch so him as well um but you need a big body you need someone with speed um uh, and you just need a guy that will go out there and make plays so either of those guys How about the tight end position? And we're looking to the Big Ten a little bit. The Iowa Hawkeyes have one of the best tight end receiving duo threats, not just one of them, but they have uh, two legit Mackey candidates uh, with TJ Hawkinson, who is uh, the guy that I picked, and then Noah Fant right before him. Fant, I think, is uh, probably the better receiver. I think uh, he'll have a better chance at getting the Mackey Award this year. But I'm picking Hawkinson because I think he's more explosive. He's a more dynamic playmaker, and that's what you're going to need to beat a team like Alabama, those big explosive plays. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, you know, I picked Noah Fant, 
it's because of, of you know the record and his resume that he has there in Iowa. Uh, Grant Calcaterra from Oklahoma was another guy I was mm. thinking about. Doesn't have the numbers as a lot of these guys, but he knows how to make plays. Uh, he's a, he's a, you know he's a big body, six four two twenty one, but he can run. The only problem with his he takes a lot of big hits. I don't know if you you've been keeping up, but I mean this guy is not afraid to go across the middle and catch balls. Um, so he's a, he's a guy from Oklahoma as well. But I, I had to go Noah Fant just because you know he's he's a, r- a really good player and he's you know a guy that a lot of NFL teams has has their eye on and you know he can block, he can run, he can catch. So how about at the kicker position when you look at maybe somebody who could give you the little extra edge to get above Bama? It took a little bit of scouring. And I'd like to say Justin Yoon from Notre Dame. He's the school's all-time leading scorer, but I don't want to be a hometown favorite or anything like that. So I'm going to pick Andre Smith from Syracuse. He is leading the NCAA currently in uh, most field goals at 23. He's uh, missed two, so his percentage is about 920. Put up really good numbers this season. Sometimes you need that little bit to get you over the edge, and Syracuse turning things around right now is a top 25 team, so he's my pick for kicker. Yeah, I didn't really dive too deep in this whole kicker nonsense. Um, we all know I, you're picking Quinn Nordine. I was going to say, Das Boot, Quinn Nordine. I know he missed a couple this year, but um, when the guy's on, he can he can launch him. And I'm picking Quinn Nordeen. Um, you know, there's a lot of good ki- – I mean, obviously either kickers a dime a dozen, right? So, mm-hmm. I mean, who's clutch, I guess. So, I think Quinn Nordeen in a big – we might see Quinn Nordeen maybe beating Alabama on a mm-hmm. field goal this year. Just, just think about it. Think about it. Well, then, uh, defense and special teams. I'm going with Michigan. I mean, they have such a good defense. You are too? Yeah, got yeah. to. Yeah, they are the only team allowing fewer than four yards per play. That's best in the country. They have been phenomenal, and they continue to get better week in and week out. So I just don't know that you're going to slow down Alabama, but I think Michigan gives you the best chance. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I talked about it a little bit earlier. I mean, when you talk about all three levels, uh, you know, they have players at all three levels, and they have a little bit of depth, and I think it's going to come down to the defensive line and what they can do against against Alabama's offensive line if they play, you know what I mean? Um uh, and and those those Lavert Hill and, and guys like that those, those secondary guys, um, it's gonna really come down to if they can kind of bottle them up and make it hard for Tua and Tua's gonna have to run and they're gonna have to key on them. Um, if those two teams play, it's gonna be key that you know they they're disruptive, they cause turnovers, and the defense is gonna have to score. I mean, they're gonna have to have some big plays like that. I'm talking pick sixes, fumble recoveries in in the red zone and things like that. They're gonna need some to spark them because you know Alabama can turn it on whenever um but I do I just I just have a weird feeling man I just I just think that defense will will surprise some people I don't know if Alabama you know I don't know if if Michigan gets enough credit for just how much speed they have and how you know Don Brown really switches things up and and has guys coming from all aspects um I think if they put a, a game plan together where they're just trying to confuse Tua um, I think maybe they can do it in that speed. And Rashawn Gary and guys like that are going to be huge uh, disrupting the, the lines. So that is a look at the positions and uh, what have you that we've filled for our ultimate college fantasy football team that we would put out on the field to try and beat Alabama in 2018. Now, last part of it, who would coach that team? Jake, your pick for head coach. So I just went. I, okay, so I went with Urban Meyer. Um, mm. You know, it, he's a guy that that comes up big in big games. He's done it he before. Does. He does. He's done it before. He's beat Alabama before. They won a national championship. Um, you know, I want to go with a guy who knows kind of what Nick Saban and, and company are trying to do. Uh, you know, he's been in the big moment and he he knows how to win those big games. So, uh, for the most part, for the most part. So I'm just gonna, as much as it hurts me, I'm gonna go Urban Meyer. For me, I went a little unconventional. This might raise some eyebrows, but I'm going to pick Mike Leach of Washington State. Not only is he the king of sound bites for the sports media, Mike Leach is such an offensive-minded coach. To me, that's what you need to beat Alabama. You need to get into a game where the final score is like 52-45, to 45, and Mike Leach knows all about big offense. You are not going to stop Alabama defensively. Michigan might give you the best chance to slow them down, but it is inevitable that they're going to get about 35 points a game on you, any given team. You are not going to keep them off the board. You can only hope to outscore them. That's why I'm going with Mike Leach, because he knows all about big offense. And with some of these weapons that I feel like we put together, that they would have a pretty formidable chance of doing so. 
So that's uh, ultimate college fantasy football. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Oh no, that. no, I, I agree. I, li- I like that pick. I think you need to spread it out. You know, if, if Chip Kelly could jump back in and, and do something, maybe I'd, I'd soup him up. But that, that no, that's a good pick. So uh, recapping the teams that we put together, Jake and I doing a hybrid version of fantasy football college level teams that if we could take an all-star team from around the country, excluding Alabama players, and put this team on the field against this year's Alabama team, who would win? My head coach is Mike Leach. His quarterback is Will Greer. The running backs, Travis Etienne, Jonathan Taylor. Wideouts, Akeem Butler and Andy Isabella. TJ Hawkinson, the tight end. Andre Smith's the kicker with Michigan's defense and special teams. Jake, your recap. I have Kyler Murray under center at quarterback, uh, Karan Higdon and Miles Gaskin running back from Michigan and Washington. Uh, wide receivers, the top, I mean, the top two receivers, uh, you know, I, th- I feel in college football, in the kill Harry, A.J. Brown, uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones is my third wide receiver. I'm just going to throw that in there. Mm-hmm. Um, tight end, Noah Fant, and I'm going to have Michigan's defense with Quinn Nordine. So a little bit of Michigan in there. Jake Duran in studio with us. Before we go to break, Let's go a little bit further with this. You look at how unstoppable Alabama is, but let's say you take the other three teams in the playoff uh, rankings right now, the playoff position, Clemson, Notre Dame, and Michigan. What if you could build an all-star team from those three? Would you bet on them to beat Alabama? It's kind of interesting it's, it's, to think it's, about. It's interesting yeah. to think about being on the spot. Um, I know Clemson has a lot of guys. I, you know, they they have players. They have speed. Uh, Notre Dame, nah. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, Notre Dame. You know, they obviously they're undefeated for a reason. They got players as well. Um, if you took the best from their position, I, I'd give it a good shot. Yep. I, I think they could beat them. You would have the most accurate quarterback percentage-wise in college football this season with Ian Book or Trevor Lawrence, or you could go with Shea Patterson. I that think you X can factor, use all of them. You know, he, he, he's a guy who split out as a wideout, right. honestly. You could use him in a lot of ways. Your backfield would be Dexter Williams, Karan Higdon, and Travis Etienne. Defensively, you have a great defensive line from uh, from Clemson. You can pair that up with Chase Winovich, Jerry Tillery, maybe take a few of those guys in Notre Dame secondary, Julian Love and Troy Pride, and you would have a pretty formidable chance at taking down Alabama who would coach that team I guess you would have to pick between Harbaugh Dabo and Brian Kelly and for me I'm not even that thrilled about Brian Kelly being the Notre Dame coach about, I'm not thrilled about Harbaugh and well then we're going with Dabo. Dabo we're picking we'll Dabo, Dabo Sweeney listen Alabama's a really good team they're a really really good team I'm not taking anything away from them but they're not unbeatable mm-hmm. any given night if you put a good game together they can be beat we're talking about three teams, a couple undefeateds, a couple with one loss. You know, they know how to win too. So, give me their players. I let's go. Jake Durant from CBS Marquette and Studio with us. We've got more coming up in the Sports Pen after this on ESPN UP and ESPN UP app. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen, weekday afternoons at four on ESPN UP and on the ESPN UP app. Welcome back to the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP, the ESPN-UP mobile app. Don't forget Pigskin Payday's back. Pick the winner of each week's game to win. Play all season long for the $100,000 grand prize. Only to Jibboy Casino, Barriga, and Marquette. Tanner Hoops with you, and we're joined by Jake Durant. He is out of CBS Marquette. And we've got play to look forward to coming up this evening. Some good games that are going to be on TV. We've got, uh, let's see, Thursday night football. It's Carolina and Pittsburgh. There's a lot to like about that's, that That's matchup. a good game. That'll it's be better than last week's. Wait, was it last week's? Yes, and the last few weeks. There have yeah. been some bad Thursday night games. Yeah. But this one we think should be a lot better. Uh, how about basketball? You've got Golden State taking on Milwaukee. Late basketball tonight. What's the over-under on combined threes and total points in that game? It's going to be ridiculous. Right. It's probably going to hit at least 40 combined. Mm-hmm. At least. It's, it's going to be ridiculous, but it's going to be fun basketball. My tiny little college out in Iowa is going to be on ESPN Plus this evening. Ooh. They are playing an exhibition game at Drake University in Des Moines, and they're going to be on ESPN Plus. So my little alma mater of about 900 students i'll get to see on national tv <laughs> wow. with the espn app tonight cool. so that might end up being what i watch although i'll be tuned into football to basketball what have you and everything but plenty of good stuff that's going on tonight when you look at the nba and what's happened here early on uh milwaukee is surprised i think a lot of people we knew they'd be good i didn't think they'd be shooting the lights out being the east coast version of the uh warriors this year and then the Pistons back to winning ways last night as they take down the Magic. Yeah, um, 
I've learned as a Pistons fan over the last few years to not get too excited because uh, the Pistons always seem to start off pretty good. You, they'll string some wins together, then reality kind of hits, and and they go back to to you know playing the type of basketball that that loses games. And I just don't think they have enough offensive weapons when Blake's not be, being an MVP candidate. Um, Drummond is not as consistent as you'd like. Um, you know they don't have any good wing players. Stanley Johnson isn't great. Um, Canard's all right, but you know Bullock's okay. But mm-hmm. you need they need like a third star. They need a guy that can score, um, you know, create his own shot and things like that. And I think that's ultimately what's what's going to hurt them um, right now until they can maybe tank and get get a guy like an R.J. Barrett or like a Zion Williamson or like a Cam Reddish or anyone on that Duke team. Really, then then maybe they were they're not going to be that great. I'm not saying they should tank, but this might be a good year to do it. Uh-huh. If there is anybody who could be that third star. I like Ish Smith a lot. I think there's a lot to like about him if he can just play to his potential every night. Yeah, I, I mean he's a he's good. You know, I think he's a really good. Um, he's a good backup. He's a good backup. Mm-hmm. He's a solid. You know, he can come in and, and 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 put up some points and and play. You know, very. You know, he could play decent basketball here and there, but I just don't think he's consistent enough um, and, and things like that. I think they need – I don't know. I, I never really liked the Reggie Jackson pickup mm-hmm. for Detroit. I think he, he's, they're paying too much for him. Um, and, you know, he, he does some good things, but uh, he's not that that difference maker that you want, I guess you could say. He's, he's, he's a really, really good player, but he's not somebody like – you know he's not going to be a you know their Steph Curry, Russell Westbrook type of type of player. They just need another star, man. They need another guy that can that can score. Milwaukee though, um, you know I think they take they've taken the next step. You wondered if they you know when the ceiling was going to be, but now they're shooting like you said they're they're the East Coast version of the the Warriors type of type. Of. It's going to be interesting to see if they can keep up with Golden State tonight. That's what I'm interested to see. Well, you see how deep those two teams are, and if I were to ask you. Early on in the NBA season, everybody's played roughly 10 games. Early on, which team leads the NBA in games where all five of their starters score in double figures, and it's not Golden State or Milwaukee? Would you have any idea? No. It surprised me, too. The Minnesota Timberwolves. Would you have thought? I wouldn't have thought. I know they, had a, I mean, I know they have a pretty decent starting five. They do. So, mm-hmm. you know... Um, Jimmy Butler just kind of overshadowed what they've been doing, but mm-hmm. I, I mean, I could see that. You know, they got a, they got a lot of talent, a lot of guys that can score. Derrick Rose with a career high seven triples last night. What a week for him! I mean, good to see out of a guy like that. A injury, a lot of guys wouldn't have been able to come back from, and he's looking like himself. Yeah, I mean, when I, I I got really emotional when he scored that fifty point mm-hmm. game just because he was, you know, one of my favorite players when he was, you know, an MVP candidate in Chicago. And it, you know, anytime you see a guy go down with injuries. Um, it's tough to see, you know, multiple injuries as he's working himself back. But you hope he can keep it up. If he can keep it up, that's going to be huge for Minnesota um, down the line. Um, and you just hope he stays healthy. I mean, you just hope, you know, you're not seeing a flash like we've seen from from him in the past. I want to go back to something you said earlier when you talked about Duke and that freshman squad that they have. They outscored the fourth-ranked team in the country by themselves the other night, that big three of Duke Blue Devil freshmen Mike Krzyzewski's brought in. And they are looking like they are the Alabama of this year's college basketball world. Just doesn't look like anybody's going to be able to stop them. So for a long time, people would ask, would Alabama beat the Cleveland Browns? Now I want to ask you, as ridiculous as it is, you're smiling, you know where I'm going with this. Would this Duke basketball team be able to beat this year's Cleveland Cavaliers? No. You don't think so? No. I don't either. There's I don't too think big so. of a drop-off. There's too big of a drop-off. And, and I, I don't like that, that argument just because... Um, you're talking about professionals. Yeah. You're talking about guys um, in the. I mean, even in the Cavaliers who have a lot of NBA experience. Mm-hmm. Um, they're professionals for a reason. You know, they they would. I I don't see it being close. Duke did look really good. The freshmen did not look scared. Sometimes you wonder when there's all this pressure, are they going to live up to it? Um, Zion lived up to it. I mean, he looks just like a monster. Mm-hmm. Thirty-three points from R.J. Barrett. He's he's supposed to be the better of the two. And then Cam Reddish. I mean, he did his thing. Um, you know, you just wonder if there's enough balls to go around uh, when you talk about Duke. But uh, I, 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 you know, I could see them playing pretty good. But I mean, they got Kyle Korver, J.R. Smith. You know, mm-hmm. Tristan Thompson, um, Thompson. 
would dominate down low against these guys. I mean, you'd notice the difference right away. Um, and these guys have championship experience, so they've been through a lot of a lot of things. Oh, I'll I, take yeah. I'll take experience over you know youth and athleticism. I I agree, man. When people would talk about Alabama could beat Cleveland, I mean that you said it right there. They're professionals, you know. They are people don't look at what kind of a level uh, that these guys are playing at. How big the drop off is from pro to college. I mean, how many times have we seen a guy? be a superstar in college, be an All-American, and they just doesn't pan out in the professionals. All of these guys have. They at least have gotten to the professional level. Some of them, like you said, have been in the finals. They not weren't necessarily the blue-chip recruits that came out. They were guys that maybe spent their career at UTEP or Northern Texas or some school like that, and they still turn themselves into the career players that they are. So in that sense, yeah, I don't think you can make the argument that Duke would beat this year's Cleveland Cavalier team or Whoever is the worst team in the NBA so far. It's the speed of the game is so much different in the physicality. Um, and you would notice that right when you put it up. I mean, you talk about uh, the college players coming in and saying, you know, I have to get used to the speed of the game. The speed is so much different. Um, it's because a lot of things are happening very fast. So, um, yeah, it wouldn't even be close. How about uh, Michigan, Michigan State basketball? They each tipped off the season a couple of nights ago. Michigan State played pretty well with Kansas, ended up losing by five. But a lot to like about that squad. Despite losing their top two players from last season, they didn't have a top 15 recruiting class this year. Cassius Winston's going to have to carry the load. What's your expectation for the Spartans this year? I mean, I think they're going to be one of the top teams in that league. Um, Yeah, I mean, against Kansas, you're talking about a, a top five team. Um, they were down a lot of that game. They made it close towards the end. But, um, yeah, Winston is, is a guy who, you know, he created his own shot. He's very crafty, um, really good. Nick Ward, he didn't have his best game. Uh, you know, he was kind of getting balled up by the big bodies down there uh, that Kansas has. Um, you know, I think he'll play a lot better. But I like who they have. Like, I like their support um, that they have. They got a lot of guys that, you know, uh, are just hardworking guys that, you know, Tom Izzo's type guys. That you know, nothing too flashy on this team this year. Uh, I don't see a lot of flash, a lot of flair, but a lot of guys that are just going to put their nose down and and work hard. So I, I really do like what they what they got going on. Michigan, no problems Tuesday night. They take down Norfolk State, sixty three to forty four. Are they still riding that magical run to the championship last year? What what's the expectation for the Wolverines this year? I think they're going to be pretty good. I think they're going to be a hard you know they're going to be a hard out. They're not going to be an easy win. They got a, some guys returning. Um, you know, they got some confidence. They're bringing in some guys. Jenny, you can't count John Beeline and his system out. Um, you know, they, they were they should have won that game, obviously, and, and things like that. But, you know, they look pretty good. I'm, I'm not counting them out. I think they're going to they're gonna challenge in the league. So um, we'll see. They got, they're going to have to develop some guys, and some guys are going to have to fill in some roles, obviously, with, with a, a few guys leaving. But I think they might be able to pull it off. As a Michigan fan, what were you feeling last year when they're playing Chicago Loyola in the front in the Final Four? I mean, had to love the whole sister Jean everything that was going on. You had know, to be scary, I, I, but I, honestly, like I I love that story. But I think by that point, I was so over it. I wanted Michigan to, to just beat the brakes. Oh, off I'm them. not over it. And 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 you know, it, it was it was a good story. But I mean, at that point, you know, I was like, I don't want to be upset by sister Jean. We got to keep moving. Um, you know, they were they were playing the whole it was meant to be type deal. Um, it was a good story. It was a really good story. I really loved the story. Um, but it was just time, Sister Jean. It was just time. Well, Loyola is 1-0 to start this season. They won on Tuesday, 76-45 over Missouri-Kansas City. They will play Furman tomorrow, and they are the top team outside the top 25 at receiving votes. Last thing before we go to break, uh, we'll go out west to the Lakers. They get a big win last night, and they needed it against Minnesota this whole Magic Johnson thing with Luke Walton, I feel bad for Luke Walton because he's proven that he's a good coach. He's a good young coach, and there's a lot of teams that would love to have a guy like that. And I don't see him as the problem for the Lakers' struggles here early on. I know he's an easy scapegoat with bringing LeBron in, but right now you have LeBron carrying a lot of youth right now. It's not a recipe for success, but on Magic Johnson's end, I see where you didn't bring in the best player in the world to finish ninth in the Western Conference, but I don't think he handled the situation well, and Luke Walton is probably going to end up having his head on the chopping block, and he just doesn't deserve it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's unfortunate, but anytime you bring a LeBron to, to a city like L.A., now expectations are going to start to build. Even though LeBron is in the media saying, this is going to take time, this is going to take time, it's not going to be easy. Um, you know, fans have unrealistic expectations, and, you know, when you start hearing – the booze and then things aren't going your way. Someone has to, someone has to, you know, take, take the blame. 
and for the most part, it's always going to be a head coach. Um, I agree. I didn't expect them to be very good. Maybe if they got that second superstar this year, maybe then I would I would see them being good. Um, even the vets that they brought in, they're kind of mm-hmm. on that la- their last leg, uh, inconsistent. Um, you know, they they try to bring in a bunch of goons um, to try to just back LeBron up. It seems like you know some just crazy guys that are going to blow up a locker room. Um, but once the magic of, of Hollywood kind of wore off in those first few games, now it's kind of getting okay. Now what? You know what I mean? Um, but, yeah, it's it's unfortunate. Good to see them get a win. Um, do I think they're going to do anything in the West this year? I don't think so. Definitely. I don't I, – I think they're worse than I even thought. Mm-hmm. I thought they'd be a little bit better. But, I mean, like you said, there's a lot of youth on the team. They need to, they need to grow up a little bit. Magic Johnson wants to blame anybody. Blame himself for not dealing Brandon Ingram when he had the chance. That dude's just tossing up bricks night in and night out. I mean, it's not – it's not even pretty to watch. Yeah, it's it's crazy because I hear like he's the second coming of Kevin Durant every once in a while, or he's he's on his way. You know, he, he has all the physical tools, just a lengthy guy, but you know he's pulling it together. But uh, yeah, I don't I don't know if I've seen. You know, they got him in what a second overall pick. Mm-hmm. You know, they got him. They got Lonzo. I think that's been their biggest issue is drafting. You know, they're passing up on these guys. You know, L.A. was almost forced to take Lonzo Ball mm-hmm. just because of what Levar Ball was doing and L.A. kid. Like they couldn't pass him up. No. Um, you know, might have, might have missed on Ingram, you know what I mean? So I think that's been their biggest issue as an organization is these high draft picks just, just getting mediocre talent with them. Reportedly last week, Magic Johnson called for Luke Walton to come in to his office. He said, close the door, and reportedly verbally abused him, and, you know, there was a verbal altercation between the two. Magic Johnson's a big guy, former NBA player. And I couldn't imagine what Luke Walton was thinking when he went into that meeting. Uh, I know any time that happens to me, I am terrified. The last time it happened to me where somebody asked me to come into their office and close the door was actually my chiropractor. And I could not think of what I did wrong. I couldn't think of it. I'm like, am I not stretching right? <laughs> and he, he just wanted me to write him a Google review or something. But I'm freaking out over my chiropractor doing that. Uh, you go across the hall and our general manager, Tom Mogish, Asked me to do that. I don't know what I'd be doing right now. But for Luke Walton, I almost think it'd be better for him to get out of L.A. The Lakers' job right now is just, it's high profile. It's a toxic environment for him. And he's a great coach. And I don't want to see that get wasted. So I think he is on the hot seat. And he's not the first L.A. coach to be on it so far this year. The Kings fired John Stevens earlier this week. I think it'd almost be better for him if he just took Magic up on his offer and left. Sometimes, you know, that, that might be the best option. But I do agree. I work at a news station. Anytime you get called into the office and they ask you to close the door, it's, it's never good. Mm-hmm. It's never good. So, um, you know, Luke Wallen's not a small guy, though. No. He, I, you know, it would have been interesting to see a little clash there. Uh, but I do kind of agree with you, man. It, it's almost like a, a, a dead end at this point. You know, somebody's going to have to take the blame. And how many years, you know, you still got the Warriors. You got a lot of up-and-coming teams. The Nuggets are showing they're an upcoming team that are really good. Um and, and LeBron's not getting any younger. They they gotta they gotta get a Clay Thompson or, or somebody in there to get some pressure off mm-hmm. LeBron next season. But um, you know, Luke Walton has some some soul searching to do. It might be better to get out now than, than wait and 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 have it blow up in your face later. Jake Durant, sports director at CBS Marquette and studio with us. We'll take a break and finish this thing off. Coming up next on the Sports Pen on ESPN UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Welcome back to The Sports Pen on ESPN-UP, the ESPN-UP app. Don't forget, pigskin paydays back. Pick the winner of each week's game to win. Play all season long for the $100,000 grand prize. Only to Jibboy Casino, Barriga, and Marquette. Tanner Hoops with Jake Duran of CBS Marquette as we finish off this episode of the Sports Pen. Let's go to the NFL. We have Week 10 kicking off this evening, Carolina and Pittsburgh. I'm intrigued by that matchup. Carolina's fighting for their division lives right now because the Saints are going to run away with it. Atlanta doesn't quite go away, and Fitzmagic might be back. We don't know. And then you have Pittsburgh, who's starting to look like their old selves as they uh, recover from the loss of Le'Veon Bell. And they're getting James Conner to really come into fruition. So it's an, a compelling matchup to me. What are you looking forward to in that? Um, yeah, I think it, it's, it's going to be a really good game. I, I think Carolina's a lot better than I expected, a lot of people expected. Um, some are saying that team's better than the team that made it to the Super Bowl 
um, a few years back. Uh, you know, you got big names, Cam Newton on the squad. Um, so, so I mean, Carolina is a really intriguing team, and like you said, they're chasing the Saints right now, and the Saints are running pretty fast. So, uh, definitely a big game for them. Uh, Pittsburgh, they're just a drama fest, um, and I love it. You know, uh, you got you got guys like Juju, Antonio Brown. Um, like you said, it's going to be interesting to see James Conner and what he can do on a national stage. He's been just destroying uh, teams, and I've been wreaking the benefits in fantasy. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, Le'Veon is reportedly in Pittsburgh, so you know, you know, it's going to be interesting to see a lot of big names, a lot of big talent, uh, two good teams. I think it's going to be, like I said, it's going to be a close one. I think it's it's going to be one of the better ones. I think Le'Veon's had a fun week on Twitter, hasn't he? The typo tweet, farewell to Miami, and then last night's upside down tweet that hurt my brain trying to figure it out. But that's how bored he is. That, that is how bored he is. He's just waiting because eventually he's got to come back if he wants his money. He's got to come back, and it would have to be next week. Yeah, and, uh, you know, he's in a tough spot. I think he, you know, he wasn't banking on James Conner to be as good as he, no. he's been. So now he's in a he's in this spot where, you know, now Pittsburgh's really like, maybe we don't need you, mm-hmm. you know. So he might have played that wrong. No. He might have played that wrong. Let's uh, take a look at this. The NFL Midseason Awards, as released by ESPN. I'll read you a list of six awards that have been given out at the midway point. Tell me – uh, which one surprises you the most? Maybe which one you think is very well-deserved? At the midseason mark, ESPN says Patrick Mahomes is the NFL MVP. The offensive and defensive player of the years are both Rams, Todd Gurley and Aaron Donald. Offensive rookie of the year, Saquon Barkley. Defensive side, Derwin James. And then comeback player of the year, Andrew Luck. Any of those stand out to you for either good or bad reasons? I mean, I think the Patrick Mahomes thing, obviously he's he's had a great year, um, you know, MVP talk. I think it should go to Drew Brees at this mm. point in the season. Um, so, I mean, it's it's a good one. Off- offensive player of the year, Saquon Barkley, I don't think. Offensive rookie of the year. Offensive rookie, uh, offensive rookie of the year. Um, I think that's deserving. I think he deserves, you know, he's playing on a really bad team, but he's he's come in and produced. And even with a terrible offensive line, he's been able to, to put up some numbers. Um Todd Gurley, I mean, I think all of these are deserving. It's hard for mm-hmm. me to go to go against. Todd Gurley's been amazing, um, not only running the ball, catching the ball. Obviously, that team's been on fire. Um, I, I like Al, I like Alvin Kamara. You know, I, I, I'm I'm high on the Saints team right now. Yeah, That's I am the too. team. I'm That's too. the team that I think has the best shot to win the Super Bowl. I don't think LA could come in and, and beat them. Um, but it, you know, it would take another disaster for the Saints to to kind of blow it up. Now they got Des Bryant there, so. You know, hopefully he doesn't come in and destroy everything. But they're just loaded. I mean, especially at home, it's going to be really tough to beat them. Mm-hmm. Um, Aaron Donald deserves it. He, I think he's a sack leader in the NFL right now. Um, you know, double-digit sacks. So uh, they're all deserving. I think they're all they're all legitimate. We've got Jake Duran of CBS Marquette in studio with us. We are out of time. Jake, as always, thanks for being here, man. Looking forward to next week. Enjoy your weekend. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's always fun. Absolutely. Jake Duran, CBS Marquette, our guest for today. That's it for us in the sports pen. Will Kane is up after us on ESPN and the ESPN-UP Family Network.